Thank you for joining us on the MEM Podcast. Where you'll get motivation for your journey. Sharing stories from men of color. Tips and advice for navigating the field of medicine. And how to bounce back from adversity. As well as various topics and special guests. What's up everyone? It's Akeem. Today's podcast is featuring one of my great friends and former roommate, student Dr. Rafael Rivera. He's a fourth-year medical student at the Universidad Central del Caribe School of Medicine in Puerto Rico. Unique fun facts about him, he enjoys sports, specifically the NBA, Formula One, he loves cars, and he loves travel hacking, pre-COVID, of course. During the conversation, he enlightened us about his path of becoming a physician and talked about his triumphs and tribulations. He spoke about his experiences on the wards, his ability to touch his patients, connect with them on a deeper level, and build that better physician and patient interpersonal relationships. Sit back, relax. If you're working or walking to class, listen very closely because he dropped some major keys during this episode. I hope you all enjoy this conversation between old-time friends. Let's get straight into it. Um, Cameron, you want to go with the first question? Sure, let's start it off. So just to start off, why don't you tell everyone kind of what first got you interested in, in medicine and wanting to become a doctor? Well, uh, ever since high school, you know, I just had this feeling that uh, I always relished, like, I enjoyed my sciences, but every time we spoke about the body, uh, like in anatomy class or, or uh, maybe a physiology class in college, I just, I just was like more curious about it. And I just wanted to learn more and more about it until, you know, until I decided that I wanted to get into med school. And I noticed that that did not happen with many of my other classes. So I just knew. Mm -hmm. Wow. So once you got, uh, so it sounds like kind of in high school, you kind of got the inkling that you wanted mm-hmm. to go into medicine and then college, I assume you were, you're pre-med then going there. That so going through those, those pre-med courses that you had, uh, while at undergrad and also, uh, let them know where you, where you went to undergrad actually. So undergrad, I did undergrad in the university of Puerto Rico, uh, Rio Piedras campus, which is the main campus. Uh, I did my undergrad in, uh, it's called a Bachelor in Interdisciplinary Sciences of the College of Natural Sciences. So basically, it, it's, a, it's a bachelor's degree where I can just uh, pick my classes and just, uh, how do I say this? You just pick point your classes so that you can do med, uh, pre-med. Mm. And you don't have to take many of the other classes like, uh, I don't know, like gardening or something or... <laughs> <laughs> So like biology class had to take a class like uh, gardening plants and the plants, plants yeah, stuff, the random stuff, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the random that. stuff. So uh, the ability to just take the pre-med classes that I needed it really mm-hmm. gave me, I think, an advantage. I could, uh, it gave me the ability to graduate in four years with a very uh, doable program. Yeah. So while you, while you were taking those classes at UPR, mm-hmm. um, along the way, did you have any like stumbles or challenges, um, you know, taking some challenging pre-med courses and how did you kind of respond to that if you did? Well, 
I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. Uh, my first semester in, uh, in uh, UPR, I was just so, like, it took me by surprise because the jump from, mm. from uh, high school to college is a big jump. So actually my first, uh, I took pre-calculus and my first time I, I had to drop out because I couldn't. Mm. Uh, but then I took it again and then I could, uh, I could get over it. And I don't know, but with the sciences, I did not have any problems. I, I loved organic chemistry and actually in, in Duke, in Duke SMB, when I both. we yeah we learned a lot of bio uh organic, a lot of organic chemistry and, and I just enjoyed it I really liked it so much uh physics it was tremendous we also took good at physics I just enjoyed it so basically all the classes that I did enjoy uh thankfully I did not have any problems but for sure I did encounter some bad times especially with that pre-calculus in the first semester. But, you know, everybody can get over a hump uh, if you uh, are determined to do it. Mm -hmm. So honestly, if I could do it, uh, everybody can do it. Mm. What were some of the steps that you took in undergrad to get over those hurdles? Like what were some changing, some habits that you formed that helped you be more successful? Mm Mm-hmm. So in high school, I would say that I honestly did not study that much. I actually learned to study efficiently in med school. Mm. For college, I started to get an idea, but it's, you know, it's a whole different ball game. Med school is a whole different ball game. So you actually, you will find your style. Look for help. Honestly, you have to look for help and, and not be shy about it. Not be mm. shy about uh falling down because you know maybe your friend can be the one to pick you up right so, so I, I reached out to some people for sure in my in my first semester I feel like that's a that's a good trait to have honestly building it from a young age too because I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of guys are very prideful about when they need help like especially you know something that they're not good at they're like ah, I don't want to ask nobody about that mm-hmm. but when you really get comfortable and you know yourself and you know that you really what your end goal is you know what you're trying to work towards you're like all right I don't care about looking bad or looking like I don't know the answer. I'm just going to get the help that I need so I can do well in that exam and perform well. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That's a, that's a great mindset, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially, you know, going along the pre-med track, like having people that, you know, like you said, friends or whoever it is that may be strong in a certain topic, you can ask them questions and, and kind of get that support and guidance. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's really valuable. So that's, that's great that you were able to do that. Um, so, so transitioning to like your kind of preparing for med school phase. Um, so talk to us a little bit about what that was like for you in terms of starting off with the MCAT and taking that and then mm-hmm. going into the, the long application process before finally getting accepted uh, into medical school. So I started my application process around third year of college. Um, I took my MCAT, I think in August August something, 2016, 2006, yeah, August 2016, I, and I started applying around August to September. Uh, you know, basically what I, I reached out to some people that were in med school, 
So mm-hmm. I would definitely encourage people to do that, to to reach out to people you might know. Uh, there are different programs, different forums. Reddit is a tremendous resource <laughs> to to learn about it. Uh, so I studied by for my MCAT. I was actually doing research in uh, in uh, it's called the Comprehensive Cancer Center of Puerto Rico. Mm. When I was studying for my MCAT, so I actually did not study that much for my MCAT, and I did pretty average. Uh, but definitely, one has to set time aside. I would not actually recommend people to do what I did. But mm. I really needed to build a research background so that I could really uh, try to, you know, uh, make my application stronger. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was that that was definitely something I was missing, and I actually did enjoy my time doing research. And so I do not regret doing average in the NCAT. After all, I got into med school thankfully. And uh, so uh, regarding MCAS. It's still called AMCAS, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Regarding it hasn't AMCAS, been that long, Raphael. <laughs> <laughs> no, just just to be sure, you know, is that <laughs> everything's changed changing. so quickly. They're yeah, changing. yeah, no, especially with the, with the virus situation. Uh, so, regarding AMCAS, uh, you really have to try to sell yourself, but not lie about it. You really have to be, mm. uh, you know, you have to try to sell yourself in a way that that is unique and like if you play basketball like don't don't be afraid to say it uh if you played basketball in high school or you won an award in in college you know don't be afraid to state it and uh if you did research or not if you did community service uh you basically put everything you did uh you know, everybody recommends not lying, so definitely don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a no-no. <laughs> no, that's a big no-no. So, you know, if you, if you, I would recommend uh, talking to a medical student and maybe showing him your, your CV and, and showing him like, you know, what, what are things I could do to try to make my application stronger? Like, oh, you're missing research. Oh, you're missing some community service. Uh, you know, you're missing some, what do you do on your off time and all that stuff. So, so try to fill it in, but in a way that you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Not, not, don't just, don't just do research because you have to like do research in a topic you want to do. Like if you are interested in colorectal cancer, then do research in colorectal cancer, mm-hmm. for example. So, uh, like I said, for when you are in a hurdle, like, you know, yourself the most, so I apply, apply it here also. Like, you know yourself the most, try to build your application stronger by a way that it would be enjoyable for yourself. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point too about what you're talking about going through the AMCAS and the application process. I think a lot of people, they think that they need to be just like a cookie cutter, you know, what they think a med student mm-hmm. is supposed to look like, you know. But at the end of the day, everybody's unique and, you know, med schools want a unique class of students so like you said Mm -hmm. if you play basketball you do something unique that's maybe different than what most you know medical students or pre-med students are doing like highlight that and let them know um and show that you're unique so i think that's a really good point yeah for sure like uh 
I would like to add, like, uh, one thing that really helped me, believe it or not, uh, is that I coach boys basketball. Mm. So, uh, you know, that that's kind of unique. So that, show, that, that showed something that I enjoyed and, and also showed that I have some leadership, but it showed it in a way that I enjoy it, you know. So I'm very proud to say that I did that. And, uh, and not just to, sh you know, not to show off, but because I enjoyed it because it's my mm. passion. Your passion is something that makes you different and unique. Isn't yes. it? It's Raphael outside of medicine. Who is this guy outside of medicine? <laughs> exactly. like, that's a question that I always like to ask people. Like, what do you do outside of medicine? You can't just that's study all day. You need a balance. Mm -hmm. But we're going to actually touch on that a little bit later. So save mm -hmm. all your, your advice a little bit later on that because we're going to touch back on that. All right. All right. So you... You went through the application process and you're here now, you're in medical school. Um, I wanted to see if you could talk a little bit about some of the experiences and challenges that you've had in medical school, some highs and some lows possibly. Okay. So med school, uh, where I'm at, uh, it's two years uh, preclinical years, basic sciences, and then it's two years clinical years. Uh, you do your rotations. Uh, third year, you basically do rotations in every specialty. Uh, every like basic specialty, like internal medicine, psychiatry, uh, OB-GYN, um, pediatrics, family medicine, psychiatry. Uh, so definitely third year is more enjoyable than first and second, but for first and second, I already see it. Like you feel like, like yeah, you're about to say something. Like first and second year, man, <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a it's a different beast honestly because uh like for example or uh, biochemistry you take bio uh, in my school you take biochemistry in one month and basically that biochemistry in one month is what you took all the semester in college so you know it's a lot of information you have to know so you really have to you have to find a way to cram all that thing all you know all that subject all that uh all that knowledge in, but not just cram it in and forget about it. Cause you know, you need it for step one. So you really have to try to, to learn it. Yeah. For that, did you do any like specific strategies? Like I know a lot of people in medical school tend to use Anki or mm -hmm. use a whiteboard study group. What exactly worked for you and made it a successful um, maneuver through that? So for example, for step one and, and actually step two also, I, I always need somebody to study. And that's part of my style. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not the type of guy to study alone. And maybe you guys noticed that in, in SNDP, I never studied Yeah, for alone. sure. Uh, I always try to study with people that, that uh, obviously that want to do it. So definitely a strategy, you know, Touching again to what I said earlier, know yourself, know your style. My style is studying with somebody that I, you know, that I trust and that we can bounce off questions out of one another and bounce off knowledge. Mm -hmm. And uh, a thing that really helped me is uh, talking about the, the, talking about the subjects that we're learning. It really helps me. So having conversations about, you know, uh, enzyme A or enzyme B, it really like helped me to understand it more than just reading it. Right. 
like if you try to say it or if you try to explain it then it will really help you because you will you will learn what you don't know if you you really try to explain it to another person mm -hmm. so in in medical school like i know the first year and second year they say it's drinking like from a water fountain you you mentioned mm -hmm. how biochemistry was hard and you kind of got over that by studying with other people and bouncing off the topics um but were there any other specific moments or times where you just felt like this is just too much or how am i gonna get through this like yeah. did you what was those moments like for you yeah for sure uh you know when uh after i got after I got out of biochemistry, uh, thankfully I, I did well, but then the, the hard topics started. Yeah, physiology started, anatomy started, mm -hmm. neuro started, and uh, histology. Did you have and, any background in any of those, like anatomy, or did you take that in undergrad okay, at all? So I did have, I did have anatomy, mm -hmm. uh, so that was not bad, and I really enjoyed anatomy. Uh, physiology is a, you know, physiology is a tremendous course. Yeah. Like it's it has uh, physics in there. <laughs> it, yeah, it does. It, it does. Like cardio is amazing. Uh, the, the topics of cardio physiology are amazing and, and GI too. But uh, histology, man, I struggled so much with histology because I mean, Cameron, you, you, you must know like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> people everywhere are like, oh, everything's pink and purple. Yeah, for right. me, it really was like everything seemed pink and purple. I did not have the eye for histology, so I struggled a lot. I was like borderline. Uh, you know, I reached out. I talked to, to some professors to, to see how I could improve. I definitely met with the, the course coordinator and we talked, you know, I was like borderline maybe i i was like this close to repeat the class but thankfully i got over the hump uh you know like i said you gotta you gotta be humble you gotta know your limits uh histology definitely was a limit for me but uh i reached out and i got over it. uh the if there's somebody that can definitely help you is the it's, you know it's the course coordinator like he or she is the person who best knows how you could study for a, for a test. Right. So, so yeah. Okay. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely feel you on histology. For those out there who don't know what histology is, it's basically just the study of uh, cells. So you're looking at these slides mm -hmm. and trying to figure out what's going on. If there's cell death, like apoptosis or necrosis or, you know, all these, what type of cell it is. So it's a lot. So <laughs> mm -hmm. that's yeah, good yeah, you, you, that you reached out and, and got help when you needed it. So now that you've talked a little bit about some of those, those struggle moments in uh, medical school, what are some high, mo high moments that you would like to highlight? Some good moments, some proud moments where you look back, you're like, wow, I overcame or I got to this point that you, you know, want to celebrate and highlight. So, uh... I would say second year, definitely, uh, I improved so much from first year, uh, second year, you take, uh, second year, you take, you, second year, you feel more like a doctor in the sense that you take pharmacology, you take, uh, pathophysiology, you also take, um, microbiology, mm -hmm. uh, in my institution, of course, uh, that, uh, depends on your institution and, 
you know, you study, you start studying for step one and you start, you start reading vignettes and you start, you know, you, you, you understand them. You, you read a question, you're like, whoa, I know this, I know this, uh, <laughs> I know this disease. Like I'm actually learning something that it clicks. when you, when it clicks that definitely one of the best feelings ever is when you read a vignette and you know what's happening. Like you, you, you know that you're doing well, that when it clicks, it's like, boom, like, wow, I'm studying medicine. I'm becoming a doctor and I know what's happening. That is awesome. And when you know how to treat it, that's even better. So definitely second year, you start feeling more like a doctor. So I would say second year is a highlight, like for every med student and third year, you just take that to another level. Third year is, third year is a blessing. It's awesome. It's, uh, you know, when patients start t uh, calling you doctor, man, that's a big honor, honestly. So, <laughs> so when you know what's happening with your patients and, and third year, you know, that's a big highlight. And now in fourth year that I'm doing my rotations in internal medicine, uh, definitely when you, when you come out of step two CK, you really feel ready to like be alone and start managing patients, uh, you know, uh, like with a resident and all that, like a resident physician, like when they, uh, there's like a saying in Spanish, which is like soltar, which means like release. Like when they like let you off the leash, we say that a lot in Spanish, when they like let you off the leash to like just wander and, and just be a, like a physician, like an intern, uh, MS4s are treated like interns basically. You know, that feels awesome because you know, you, you are responsible for life and you know, you have to do it well, obviously. So that's a great feeling. And, and I would encourage like everybody who, who studies medicine, like embrace that moment, embrace that highlight and just enjoy it. Cause it's a blessing really. Mm. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. And so now like during your third year that you've done rotations, in different departments, what are some highlights, some different specialties that mm -hmm. stood out to you or that you really enjoyed? Okay. So can I start with the ones I didn't enjoy? <laughs> sure, go for <laughs> it. Go for it. Uh, I did not enjoy OB-GYN. I just <laughs> could not understand it. Uh, my experience was not that great. Uh, then I had, I'm actually going to go with the order I did it. Uh, then I had a psychiatry. I loved psychiatry i almost you know i would almost be a psychiatrist for sure but wow uh it was just awesome i did a rotation in va in the san juan va which is you know for the veterans and it was awesome you know i had a great experience uh with the psychiatry residents the patients it was uh, really great then i did internal medicine i obviously loved it that's the specialty I'm going to go into. Mm. Uh, I, I actually did a rotation in VA too, in San Juan VA, internal medicine. Um, you know, when you do internal medicine, that's like, I would say the most essential specialty because it's a specialty that covers everything. Mm. And uh, when you come to terms with that, well, that is, it's, that is pretty awesome. Then I did surgery. Uh, surgery is amazing too, um, but 
I don't, I don't like, I don't envision myself in that life because that's a different life. Uh, definitely, it's great, but it's not my style. Then I did. Um, after that, I did pediatrics. Yeah, pediatrics was very cool, but definitely not my thing. And then COVID came. COVID nineteen came. Rotations were canceled. Uh, so basically we had to, we were like one month off. We had like one month off, but then the school reached out with, uh, virtual rotations, uh, virtual tests, virtual MBME exams. A and virtual rotation. Yeah. Virtual rotations. Definitely. Like we had to do that because, you know, we, we got to keep moving forward. Right. Yeah. You know, you're in third year. You got to go to fourth year uh it, that was back in march so it hit us all by surprise definitely uh, as you yeah. guys may know most definitely but, yeah uh i would say more to third year and fourth year students because uh you're rotating so like that was pretty hard because a lot of institutions had to cancel uh, they did not want students and that was really hard on us and yeah. Up to this day, there are a lot of institutions that don't want students because, you know, liability, COVID. responsibility. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I understand, but, you know, it puts us in a very difficult position. Like right now, I wanted to do uh, our way rotations yeah. for sure, because I mean, I am interested also in applying uh, to the United States uh, to some residencies. So, you know, I, it, COVID really hit us that way. But uh, then after pediatrics, I did family medicine. It was also, also virtual. And, you know, family medicine, is, it's, it's everything. Family medicine covers everything. So it's actually a very, very good specialty. Um, so, yeah, third year. So, Raphael, we talked about, remember I asked, like, who are you outside of medicine? And, like, how do you, like, balance yourself? What do you do to maintain yourself without burning out? Because I feel like in medical school, there's a lot of people who end up burning out and, and don't know how to manage. So I want to know, what do you do for work-life balance? So basically what I did, um, first year at the beginning it was kind of hard because I was trying to find the time. But after my first semester... Uh, I started going to the gym at night, uh, every Friday or Monday after, because we had tests every Monday, like every other Monday. So like every other Monday, we would like uh, a couple of classmates, colleagues, we would get together, play some basketball. Uh, so that was pretty good. Um, you know, play basketball, uh, watch sports uh, every once in a while, like watch a movie or something. Uh, I also coached basketball. So like uh, the basketball season uh, where I coach, uh, I coached my local high school uh, starts, usually starts like uh, we start training like October. So we train from October and the season ended like in March. So, you know, uh, after classes, I would go give a basketball practice or we, if we had a game, I would go to the game and coach the game. So, you know, there, there are a couple of things I did. Uh, maybe go to the beach every once in a while and go out with friends. Like definitely if like, I would recommend like every day you get out of tests, take it, take it free, 
and uh, go out with your friends, your colleagues that are going through those tough times with you mm. and enjoy, like get to know them because they're basically, they're basically going to be your brothers and sisters and your future colleagues. Like, you know, uh, that is definitely important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I definitely, I feel like that's really essential is just being mm -hmm. able to be a person. Remember that you're a person and you got to take care of yourself first and figuring out what exactly works best for you. However, you want to de-stress, just get away from the books and just refocus and recharge. That's essential. Yeah, that is. So what, what kind of advice would you have for like time management and tips? Because you didn't, you didn't just coach a basketball team. You, I saw some mm -hmm. trophies and some pictures. So mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you had a pretty <laughs> yeah. good team going. So how do you, yeah. you manage that? Like what advice would you have for time management? So, man, uh, you know, in, in first and second year, you, uh, I know I'm not the only one that sometimes you have to choose your battles, right? And I would say, when I, choo when I say choose your battles, I mean, like, there's some classes, like, maybe you don't enjoy in person, like, you like to study for them alone. So if you're that type of guy, then maybe you can make up some more time, some more off time. Like you study by your own rules and all that. I, I was kind of like a hybrid because I actually do enjoy going to classes. But when I knew I just did not understand that professor or something, I would, you know, I would just try to get my work done and then get more off time. Mm. Uh, usually my classes in first and second year, we finished early, maybe 3, 3.30. So after that, you can go study. So you know, I, I did not go study after that because I couldn't because I had to go give a basketball practice. Um, you know, but that actually was so stress relieving for me uh, to just go and be out there with those kids. And, you know, I actually enjoyed it so much that it, it was some free time for me. You know, it's right. That was that was my way to blow off my steam. And um, so you can definitely find the time. Um, but it was not easy. Uh, honestly, it was hard. Uh, sometimes I did have some exams in the, in the, in the afternoon that I did have to coordinate. Uh, thankfully I did not have problems with, uh, some of my professors. So I could coordinate, like maybe take that exam earlier. You know, they gave me that flexibility because they, they knew I was invested in that, but you know, it was hard it was definitely hard because you can't do that all the time because they're not going to give you all that, all that opportunities. Maybe that happened right. like two times. So every time I had time to study, I did that. Since that is one of my passions, I definitely do not just practice one time a week because that for me is like unforgivable. I definitely practice more than two times a week. We also have games. We also had like two or more games every week. So it was wow. a very, yeah, it was like a very, like game, game weeks were definitely very tough. But, uh, you know, people ask me how I did it. And honestly, honestly can't give you the answer. I just, <laughs> I, yeah. Like, it just, I you just, just made it happen. Sounds like a lot of discipline. I, yeah, discipline. I just went day by day and made the time. I don't know, honestly, can't tell you how I did it, but I did it. <laughs> If, if, if you're passionate about something, you're going to find a way to do it. <laughs> do it. So definitely. Yeah. And kind of, kind of going along those same lines. Uh, another question that I, that I had is how did you maintain like some of your relationships 
that you have, whether it be with your family members, because I know you're very close to your family, mm -hmm. um, with significant others, friends, mm -hmm. and maybe outside of medicine. And, you know, how, how'd you kind of work on that? Because obviously, you know, you were busy with a lot of other things. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that is actually, that's actually a great question. Uh, but um, I would say one of the one of the years I did coach, uh, I had the blessing of coaching my brother. Mm. So my brother was a senior in his uh, he was in his senior year and he was in that senior team that we coached. And you know my mom doesn't miss any single game of my brother, so that is actually amazing because she's a doctor and she also made time for that. And that is uh, you know that shows that. She taught me that. She taught me that if you are passionate about something, she's passionate about her children. She made her time. Um, so definitely there are a lot of family events that I missed. You know, uh, I definitely miss some birthdays. You know, that is that, that uh, you know, studying medicine comes with a price, definitely. My family is very close. We also, we always try to celebrate birthdays. Like all my cousins, we try to celebrate birthdays, uh, my grandfather's birthday, everything. Uh, and definitely I missed some. I missed them because I had a test, a test on Monday. And, you know, a lot of material definitely could not make some time. But I would say, like, if your family does understand what you're doing and you always, like, when you can make time for them, like, try to let them know what you're going through like how tough it really is and they will know because when you're not around in the house they will know that you are busy and you are working for something better mm. <laughs> that was a strong statement right there i like that i know back in 2017 when we came to visit you that was a very um, tough year for puerto rico mm. um yes. hurricane maria struck the island mm -hmm. um and i wanted to see like how did you feel like it impacted the people there? And was there any healthcare disparities that got exacerbated because of this? And how do you foresee like you as a physician taking care of those um, disparities? That is an excellent question. Uh, in Puerto Rico, definitely disparities are present. And right now I am doing my rotations at a, it's basically the biggest hospital in Puerto Rico. Mm. Uh, we compared a lot to Miami's Jackson Memorial. You guys know Miami's Jackson Memorial. Mm -hmm. It's like a big public hospital. So basically Centro Medico, which is a medical center. We call it the Puerto Rico Medical Center. It's a huge, like it's where everybody goes. People mm -hmm. who don't have healthcare to people who do have healthcare. And to touch on the health disparities question, like we have like right now in fourth year and then I'll get back to Maria because I really want to point this out. Uh, like right now in my rotation, we have had patients that have been to private hospitals and they basically been sent to the public hospital because they can't pay for stuff. And that is just crazy and blows my mind. And like, for example, the other day we had an anemic anemic patient with a 6.4 of hemoglobin. Mm. They basically transfused blood and just sent her to a Puerto Rico medical center just like that. And that mm. just 
that is just one example of the many things we see there. So that is now, like imagine during Hurricane Maria, a lot of, you know, the whole island is without power. Like it was crazy, like more than 2 million people, 1 million, 2 million people did not have electricity. It was just crazy. Like the hospitals filled up, you know, uh, Puerto Rico Medical Center, they, it was a disaster, like everything just like, like up to this day, there, we can still see damages like in structures and everything of that hospital. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and it was definitely hard for us medical students too, because we lost communication. We, we did not have cell, cell phone communication for like a week. Wow. So like after a week, a, a friend of mine like reached out to me and uh, the classmates, we started to reach out to each other after a week to, to see what was going to happen, you know, with our medical school. We were in first year, so we were so scared. Like that was in September, September 2017. Uh, you guys came here in May 2017, right? Yeah. Yes. You know, and you, you guys saw the best of Puerto Rico. You saw, you saw the beaches. You saw, you know, you, you saw how, how people were like. It's an amazing um, island. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great place to go. But man, when Maria struck us, you know, it, it took us by surprise. And I could go on for like 20, 30 minutes, but I'm, I'm obviously not going to, you know, I'm not going to do that. But it was just really tough, really tough, honestly. Yeah, it's something about when natural disasters take place and when you already have health mm -hmm. disparities and, you know, in, in inequalities that's already existing, it yeah, just it definitely magnifies it. It like, magnifies it on another level. Mm -hmm. And it really sure. calls upon government leaders and leadership on the healthcare level, on all different levels, different tiers to step up and really get the go the game rolling and the ball rolling to help people. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we're all we got and we have to be there for one another. But um, as a physician, is there any certain specific areas or health disparities that you want to tackle specifically that stand mm. out to you? Honestly, I, I, I really would strive to treat everybody like as equal in a sense that maybe I would try to to get into an organization that can really help people who don't have healthcare to get healthcare. That is something that actually interests me. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, find, find something, find a way to get those funds to really, because you know, when you see it, man, when, when right now, when I saw it in, that was like a couple of days ago, when I saw that, it really just tore my heart out. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's great that you have that, that passion and, and, you know, just even in talking about your experiences, like looking at things with that eye and wanting to help those patients. I think it's so important that we have, um, you know, future physicians that are aware of like the mm -hmm. disparities and, you know, aware that people don't have access to healthcare and really trying to combat that. And uh, actually when you started talking about that, that uh, patient encounter that you had mm -hmm. um, a few days ago, it made me wonder, um, have you had an experience uh, during your third year, maybe, 
into mm-hmm. your fourth year now that you've started doing, uh, you know, some internal medicine rotations. Uh, did, did you have an experience with a specific patient um, or a specific patient encounter that you had mm-hmm. a great experience or great interaction, or maybe it wasn't so great, but something that really said, wow, like, this is why I came here to medical mm-hmm. school to be a doctor. And this is why this is the profession for me. Something that really like solidified that for you. There are a couple, but I can pinpoint one that happened the other day, the uh, few days ago. You know, it was a, uh, it was a patient, a 72 year old patient with uh, who presented with uh, de novo uh, congestive heart failure. He was a smoker, a uh, chronic smoker, but you know, I, I got to know him every day more and more, and we built this relationship. Like, uh, my my resident physician uh, gave me the liberty of treating that patient, doing his patient notes, follow follow him up. So he he was my patient technically, mm. and um, he this hit me really hard because basically he has a we diagnosed him with an injection fraction of 10% wow. of his heart. So basically, wow. he, you know, he, he qualifies for hospice care. And that is something you start to learn in medical school that you do not only, you, you don't treat people, you don't always treat people that are going to come out of the hospital. Um, wow. Sometimes you got to treat people in a way that is, you know, improves their quality of life in the best way that you can. So basically what we did with him, we just tried to find a way to get him home because he wanted to get home. So we coordinated everything. We tried to get him stable enough for him to reach his goal of getting home with his family. He wanted to be with his family. So that really touched me a lot. You know, I felt it so much because he was such a I mean he was such a great person we built this relationship and and every time I spoke with him and every time I did a physical exam on him you know I said this is why I got into this not only to get people out of the door and just be saved from everything but to also help the people that don't have the luxury of living more than six months. When you can help those type of people too, you know that you made it and you you can make it better for a lot of people. And that is a great honor to be uh, to be in the physician role. Mm. Wow, that was really touching. Like, I'm just I was just imagining that whole scenario of in, your, in those moments, yeah. those last moments. It's tough, but when when you when you're capable, you know, medicine prepares you for that, thankfully. But you also have to have a big heart and and try to know your patients. Like ask him about his wife. You know, he had a life, man. He lived seventy-two years. He's just not a patient and just that. He has a story. And you have to make him feel special because you know he is he or she you know wow yeah when you when you were telling that story uh that that inspired me to just keep studying hard like knowing sure. that 
you know, one day I'm going to be in this situation, maybe mm-hmm. in a couple of years and I'm a third year or next year, I guess, when I'm a third year or fourth year or in residency or beyond, you know, there's going to be mm-hmm. a patient that, you know, I'm trying to help them improve their quality They're of real. life. And mm-hmm. so that, that definitely, uh, that's an inspirational and like, like Akeem said, touching story. So uh, going off of that, I know that we've, uh, you know, you and I have texted and talked about mm-hmm. your your future career plans and and like you've uh dropped hints here and there throughout this conversation mm-hmm. that you want to go into internal medicine i honestly do enjoy internal medicine it's it's awesome because it's basically everything you studied for in med school so and like everything is like you have to find clues and and try to get a diagnosis treat your patients like get them better and when they get better and they get out of the hospital that feels awesome I think that a lot of medical students really, they really get to know, like a lot of people come in with this idea that they want to be one thing, but when you finally get to have those rotation experiences and you get those patient interactions, it really solidifies at that moment in time that, all right, this is a, this is a direction that I want to go into. And it seems like you're, you finally, you're in that moment, you're in that field and you know, for sure now. And now it's just for you to have those initial, those last confirming moments to know exactly where you want to go. And I really look forward to hearing about which, which path you want to go with that. Um, ultimately, Raphael, I know you're a big traveler. Like, <laughs> I know like from the day I met you, you've always talked about going on cruises, mm-hmm. traveling mm-hmm. to Florida. Post-COVID, I want to know where is Raphael going? Where do you think you want to <laughs> go next post-COVID? Well, you know, uh, why don't the, you know, you asked me like a unique fun fact, right? You asked like what things do I like? And one thing I do enjoy is travel hacking. There are some friends friends of mine that call me Dr. Credit. Like it's kind of funny because uh, what I do in, in travel hacking is that I find ways to use credit cards and earn points <laughs> to have the miles uh, responsibly, of course, uh, you know, pay your bills always every month. Uh, there are definitely ways, like if you are interested in that, you can definitely get back to me. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to hit you up. <laughs> yeah. Like they, there are ways to travel hack and I've been, I don't remember the last time I paid for a, for a boarding pass. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like, yeah. Cause re, you know, I, I referred some friends and I earned a lot of points. I advised many colleagues on how to start building credit and and get that credit going, how to get to the, you know, how to get to the, that the, benefits. Travel, the benefits that I can travel right now. And I have a lot of points to travel, thankfully, because I've worked for it, like, you know, referring some friends and how to and basically empower them to reach that. So post COVID, I would say, I have no idea. but definitely something something awesome like you know go watch a formula one race in monaco or oh wow (laughs) no that that's a big dream of mine and if i can find a way to do it post covid i am 100 percent gonna do it because i love formula one racing and, and monaco just seems amazing and probably yeah probably i would do that Dubai or something. I don't know. Something very, something epic. I want to do something epic and celebrate post COVID. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this has been one, one like hell of a year. So 
you got to do it big. Yeah, 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 big, for sure. Well, I definitely appreciate you coming on here, Raphael. This was amazing. I learned so much and I'm, I'm inspired. So I hope the listeners are inspired as well. Um, definitely thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you for so much for having me. And I want to congratulate you guys on what you're doing. Uh, you know, keep, keep pushing. And I just want to say that if I can do this, if I can get a, a residency, you know, everybody can, honestly. So, you know, uh, start building your confidence and push forward because you can do it. I want to thank Raphael again for coming on to our channel, taking the time out of his very busy schedule. Fourth year medical student, y'all. Busy, busy guy. Hearing his story overall was very inspiring and very encouraging. It's always good to hear the inside scoop from a medical student about what exactly it's like and ultimately hearing that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you all for listening. And as always, believe in yourself and remember, your future patients are counting on you.